Hello and welcome back to The Fit Habit. My name is Kara McGill. I will be your host and today is episode number seven. So thanks for coming back today, guys. I have a really interesting show for you today and I'm going to jump right in. So this is for the busy people. It's a super easy, simple approach to fat loss for super busy people. So if you're holding down a corporate job, raising kids, and just generally trying to manage some semblance of a life, I trust that you are very busy, probably too busy to prep meals or eat four to six times a day and hit the gym after work. Story of your life, story of mine for sure. I've got something that you might find very interesting. So recently I came across Dr. Sarah Solomon and totally fell in love with her kooky sense of humor and her approach to fitness. She has an amazing physique and her nutrition philosophy really resonated with me because much like my own philosophy of eating higher fat and lower carb, it's completely doable for somebody with a crazy schedule like myself. And just to kind of back it up there, I came across Dr. Sarah Solomon via Shalene Johnson's podcast, and she's super hilarious. And you should go check out her website at drsarahsolomon.com. Anyways, what is her secret? She practices what's called intermittent fasting. So if you've never heard of that term before, it's basically decreasing the window of time that you eat in a day to typically eight hours or less. Some even use a protocol of 12 hours or less. So you don't necessarily eat less calories. You just eat them in a shorter period of time, say perhaps between noon and 8 p.m. if you're doing an eight-hour window. So in that scenario, you wouldn't necessarily quote-unquote skip breakfast, but you would hold off on eating until lunchtime. So you could eat whatever you typically would at breakfast, but you would eat it at noon and you would have your lunch somewhere in the middle, dinner somewhere after that, but you have a hard stop at 8 p.m. And again, it really doesn't matter how many meals you're having within that eight hour window. It's entirely up to you. Some people do use the opportunity to reduce their calorie consumption or carb cycle. And you can make the window whatever time you want. It doesn't have to be noon to eight. That's what I'm working with and it works really well for me. But if you're somebody who can you know, skip dinner, then that's fine too. And again, going back to the eight hour piece, some people practice 12 hour eating windows. So basically you have your last morsel of food at 9 PM one night, and then you don't have breakfast until, you know, 9 AM the next day. There's some studies and research that show that the longer you can pull that window out, uh, the more fat burning and fat oxidation you're going to experience, but the benefits start to trickle off at hour 20. So what Sarah Solomon does is actually a 420 window. So what that means is she fasts for 20 hours a day and eats within the window of four hours a day. I don't know that I could do that, or at this point I couldn't do it. I think it's something I would have to work up to, but for her it works really well. So this may sound familiar to your existing typical habits, or maybe this is something you did in the past, but change the habit because, quote unquote, consumer health experts insist that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So maybe you started forcing yourself to eat before you left work in the morning, whether you were hungry or not. Now, before I go on, I will say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day for some people, and without it, they feel sluggish and tired. There are studies that recommend eating 30 grams of protein first thing in the morning when you wake up to control leptin levels, and there's a hormone, and also 
your internal hunger barometer, and it also can calm the adrenals. Even with intermittent fasting, like I said, you can eat when you first wake up, but if you're working on an eight-hour window, then you need to be all good with the blue-haired special at 5 p.m. because that's going to be your hard stop on eating for the day. But if you have small children and they eat really early in the evening, then maybe that works really well for you and you're just not hungry at night. Do what works for you. But just as there is enough research to support eating breakfast, there's also research to support not eating breakfast. And many fitness experts, including Mark Sisson of Mark's Daily Apple, practice this approach and generally do their workouts fasted as well, which leads to better fat burning effort and, or sorry, fat and greater human growth hormone production. And I've also talked on my blog about doing fasted cardio in the morning. You know, I've been told that that does have a higher fat burning effect. I always looked at it as being a cardio only application, but it sounds like from these fitness experts that the same thing works with weights and HIIT training, which is high interval training. And, you know, some recommend using BA, BCAAs, uh, which is branched chain amino acids. They're basically calorie free, but do provide the muscle some ability and nutrient to recover. Anyways, I digress. So how will intermittent fasting make you lose weight? I'm sure you're asking that question. Well, the short answer is that it improves hormone balance insulin resistance, and fat oxidation. But it also controls overall caloric intake because you just have less time to mindlessly graze without accounting for calories, which is something that I do a lot, especially because I work from home. So constantly going to the fridge for a little snacky poo. If you want more scientific explanations to these points, Mark Sitton-Sisson has pulled together a ton of research, which I will link to in the blog post accompanying this podcast. So go check it out or just, you know, Google intermittent fasting, Mark Sisson or Mark's Daily Apple, and that will pull up. And he talks about it, intermittent fasting, not being only beneficial for weight loss, but also for cancer patients and brain function and a whole litany of other things. So... To be clear, I think this is something that would work for you if you were not a person that craves breakfast or you're too busy to eat three meals a day or prepare three meals a day because with intermittent fasting, you can eat all of your food in one meal or you can spread it out however you like in an eating window as you see fit. And if that's the case, then I highly recommend you give it a try. If you were the type of person that really relied on your meals at certain points of the day and you get, you know, a little lightheaded or irritable, then it's not necessarily not for you, but it may not be. So it's something that I would uh, proceed with caution with. Certainly play around with it. And I would recommend playing around with it on the weekend because, It can, as you're fasting, make you feel a little groggy and tired and lethargic and not think straight for the first little while. I think 10 days seems to be the window of adjustment when you're starting to fast. So you may want to pick a time when your brain is not going to be, you know, at 100% capacity. Don't pick a stressful time at work to do this, basically, is what I'm saying. And also, you don't necessarily have to do an eight-hour window. What I have started doing is just working towards an eight-hour window of eating. Right now, it's at like nine. So for example, 
I might have something at 9.30 at night as my last meal or snack or whatever else have you. And then I will try to push it out as far as I can the next day. Right now I'm up at around noon, 12.30, and then I start getting real cranky pants that I know it's time for me to eat. But I'm working to push that up to 1 p.m. So look at this as a gradual thing. If you're going to experiment with it, don't necessarily look to do a 16-hour fast right away if that's not your shtick. Now, to be clear, I am not an expert in this protocol at all. I'm just starting to play with it now, but there are great resources from trusted sources. So as I mentioned, Mark Sisson, and he pulls together a lot of scientific research. And I'm not just talking about research that was done on rats. I'm talking about research that's done on obese people and, you know, people of regular weight as well. So those are more relevant pieces of research. PN, Precision Nutrition, where I've done my nutrition coaching training with most preeminent nutrition company, online coaching company in the world, has pulled together a really cool evidence-based diary slash ebook, if you will, on the whole process of intermittent fasting uh, using various different protocols within that, sometimes like a whole day of fasting and some points just eight hours, I'm sorry, 16 hours of fasting. Anyways, go to Google and hit Precision Nutrition Intermittent Fasting and that ebook will pop up and it is really worth it. They are not necessarily huge proponents of the practice and they do look at it critically. So you're not just getting biased reviews from that particular source. A caveat before you head off on your fasting adventure, intermittent fasting, as I've mentioned, is not for everyone. And more particularly, it's not always the best choice for women. It can cause hormonal fluctuations, and Precision Nutrition also has a great article on this as well. And that could potentially lead to weight gain and also infertility issues instead of weight loss. So it's not advised if you're pregnant, nursing, or again, if you have a history of eating disorders of any kind, because the period of getting acclimated to this protocol and being hungry is not necessarily a comfortable experience and it can make you obsess about food or it can do the reverse. So if you have a history of eating disorders, I wouldn't recommend this, hands down. So clearly the upside to this practice is that it's less time in the kitchen. It's a lot easier to manage with a busy schedule, especially if you're a corporate person You're running out the door in the morning and you don't have time to have breakfast and you don't want to meal prep. It just doesn't work for you. This is actually a really great way to do things because you can reduce your breakfast, lunch, dinner to breaking your fast at lunch and have a larger lunch, which, you know, can be out. You don't have to bring your lunch with you necessarily. You don't need to freak out about additional calories that might be consumed because you're having a restaurant-based lunch because you have a little bit more space to be lenient in that meal. Same thing for dinner. So for some people, this is an ideal practice. Now, the downside of this practice is that you may push your hunger too far and end up in an uncontrollable binge state, which is obviously not the goal. However, if you're someone who can ease through a good part of the day without eating, and again, that could be a practice in and of itself, Intermittent fasting can also increase mental clarity and focus, free up that hour of lunch to do other things, as well as being an awesome fat-burning technique. So now I'm going to talk about my particular experience with intermittent fasting thus far. And again, I have not been doing it very long. So the first few days, as I mentioned, I attempted it, were complete failures. I woke up at 7 o'clock, and I'd be starving to the point where I literally couldn't think till I fed my face at about 9.30 a.m., 
I had also given up completely telling myself that intermittent fasting just wasn't for me. And I had been feeling particularly sluggish and tired when I first started this process off. And I just couldn't figure out why I was feeling, you know, inspired to take a nap at 4 p.m. and, you know, just generally feeling a little off. But the interesting thing that happened one night, very recently, I had a gigantic cup of chamomile tea before bed. It was more like a bucket of tea than a cup, I should say. And naturally, I woke up to head to the bathroom at around 3 a.m., something that I had not done in a long time. But the next morning when I woke up, I wasn't hungry. In fact, I wasn't hungry till well past noon. And I finally had to force myself to break my fast around 1 p.m. So the same thing happened the next night. I drank my bucket of tea. I had my 3 a.m. pee. And I felt like a million not-so-hungry bucks the next day. So what didn't occur to me until three days after this new practice I had started about with the tea before bed was that the herbal tea was in about a 16-ounce cup was what my body needed to feel hydrated throughout the night. So it occurred to me that the reason I wasn't hungry in the mornings was that I had finally had enough fluid in my system. And as I'm sure you all know, feeling hungry is very often a symptom of dehydration. So since then, I've been able to practice intermittent fasting without too much trouble at all. Again, I do start to get hungry around noon, 1230, but it's gotten a lot better. That's a three-hour difference from when I had first started. There are still a lot of mindset issues and habit challenges that I'm facing because I actually do enjoy the practice of eating in the morning. I work from home, so it's not like I have to rush out the door. I enjoy making eggs and and enjoying them. But it's working otherwise very well with my schedule because it does make me more productive and it does keep the kitchen a lot cleaner. Since I'm still very new to the practice, I can't point to any fat loss success yet but there's been a bigger realization with the tea drinking that I think is worth underscoring. Very often, and I'm getting a little off topic here, I should warn you, when something feels off in your body or you're generally not feeling your best, it could be the smallest things that need to change in order to get unstuck or feel better. So in my case, with this situation, It was hydrating more. I needed to hydrate more. And I I thought I was drinking enough water. Clearly, I wasn't. It could also be that the chamomile tea was soothing my adrenals before I went to bed, enabling better quality of sleep. But either way, I've discovered a new habit, the nighttime drinking, tea drinking, I should say, that has inspired improvements in other areas of my life. And it's a very small habit. It's very sustainable. It is no problem for me to boil a kettle and make myself a cup of tea before I go to bed. And it's having a big benefit. So clearly, I don't mean to oversimplify complicated health challenges, but I do want to underscore that there are basic health principles that are universally accepted as being good for us, but we still don't always practice them. Whether we're resisting it because we don't like being told what to do or we just forgot to do them, it's worth reminding you, or me reminding you, that these can have a profoundly positive impact on your life, these small, sustainable habits. So I'm going to give you a short list of small sustainable habits that can bring big benefits over time without much effort on your part. Sound like a good idea? I think so. So here we go. As I had just mentioned, make sure that you are getting at least eight glasses of water down your pie hole every day. So here's an idea if you don't like drinking water. Brew a big pot of hot water, like eight cups or more, 
Once it's boiled, turn the stove off and toss in like four to six chamomile tea bags in the pot or use some other sort of herbal tea bag. I don't care. Chamomile has some health benefits to it. So that's why I'm using it. Let it sit for like an hour, hour and a half. And then once it's cooled down, transfer it to a pitcher and commit to drinking that entire thing in one day. Keep the pitcher in the refrigerator. That's if you like cold tea. If you like warm tea, then, you know, just like keep making yourself tea. Take a fish oil supplement and multivitamin every day. Here's an idea. Leave the pill counters on your kitchen or bathroom counter so you can't forget it. I have multivitamins. I have fish oil. I have a litany of supplements I take in the morning, but if I keep them in the cupboard, I totally forget about taking them. So they don't look pretty on the counter, but this functional. Drink a protein shake, one scoop of protein with eight ounces of water only every day at 4 p.m. to curb nighttime craving. So if you're the type of person that by the time you get home from work, you're ready to like chew off a limb, you're so hungry, or you tend to munch an awful lot at night, keep a protein shaker bottle in the office with a small container of your favorite protein powder and set a daily alarm to mix up a small protein shake at 4 p.m. every day. That will curb your hunger going into the evening. You won't go home ravenous, but it also won't spoil your appetite for dinner and it won't you know, add massive amounts of caloric intake to your daily regimen. So I found that to be really effective and it's very easy to do. I also like to add that it's a great habit to meditate every day, even if it's just for three to five minutes. You're building a small sustainable habit that you can grow over time if you think it's beneficial. I recommend downloading the app called Calm, C-A-L-M, to your smartphone. And it will send you prompts to have your little meditation moment in the morning or whatever. And they have timers for three and five minutes. Everybody's got three to five minutes. And what it also has is once you've completed your meditation, it kind of checks it off on a calendar so you can see your own progression and how consistent you're being with the habit. And then, of course, my mantra and most important thing that I recommend to all of my clients, get at least eight hours of sleep a night. So my idea with this one, stop watching Netflix, period. I know shows are really good. I watch some too, but I don't let it interrupt my sleep. I get my ass in bed every night at 10 o'clock and that's all there is to it. So I hope some of these habits have inspired you to make some small micro changes that can improve your health and well-being with little to no effort. Okay, maybe the stop watching Netflix is a big effort. Trust me, these things will add up. And sort of in terms of the greater point of this post, which is intermittent fasting, again, I can't report any results yet, but as soon as I start to see some, I will certainly start reporting those back and letting you know how it goes. I will say from a lifestyle perspective and a sustainability perspective, this is really easy to do because skipping breakfast is probably the easiest thing in the world to become habit for me. It just makes my life a lot easier. So I'm excited to see if I experience any fat loss as a result of this new habit. So if you're interested, give it a try. Intermittent fasting, that is. I've added some links in the blog so you can go check out Mark Sitton's research and also the very hilarious Dr. Sarah Solomon, who if you sign up for her email updates, she'll give you some pointers on how to do the whole IF or sorry, intermittent fasting protocol as well. She's just really funny and she's got an amazing body. So she's a great motivator. 
And she has free workouts too. So there's that. So that's it. Go check out the blog to get these resources. And before you go, please hit subscribe on iTunes uh, so you can get my awesome updates to your ears as soon as they are available. You love them, don't you? Of course you do. So then where's your five-star review, dude? Please? Okay, I'm just kidding. Not really. Talk to you soon, guys. Have a great week.